is, uh, I, I would have said normally let's sing, but it's uh, 10 till, so give me at least 15 minutes, would you? Uh, <laughs> go! All right. Uh, thanks a lot. And Brother, Brother Wiley has his stopwatch moving already, so... You know I love you, Brother Wiley. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Okay, uh, Psalm, Psalm 142. And uh, the Bible reminds us that, um, that God can meet our needs in the greatest time of trouble. I uh, read an article about um, something they used to call splashing. Now, I'm not talking about being near a swimming area and having someone throw water on you, all right? But uh, splashing was what they called uh, locker room wars uh, when the Chicago Bears back in the 1990s were actually a pretty decent team, believe it or not. And uh, so let me explain what it was. Uh, The smaller defensive backs and the huge defensive linemen uh, engaged in what they called good-natured but weighty battles of intimidation. Well, the defensive backs were really, really small, and uh, the linemen were huge. In fact, one of those guys was uh, Refrigerator Perry. You ever remember that name, William Refrigerator Perry? Um, he weighed uh, 300 pounds, and uh, yeah, he was a big guy. Well, here's what would happen. When they got into these verbal assaults, the big guys would try to circle and isolate one of the defensive backs. And uh, if they were able to do that, they called them, by the way, the Brat Pack. If they were able to do that, uh, then they would do something about that, that, and they'd make them pay a huge price. Now, most of the time, because the defensive backs were faster, they could squirm out, they could escape, there wouldn't be any problem. But one time, uh, defensive back David Tate, uh, who weighed 180 pounds, was splashed. And what I mean by that is they got a hold of him, and Refrigerator Perry jumped on top of him. So that's 300 pounds. Uh, And then 270-pound Richard Dent jumped on. And then 275-pound Dan Hampton joined in. And 270-pound Steve McMichael jumped on the top. Do you know what that is? 1,115 pounds of pain. And that's what they called splashing. Now, the article ended. Oh, oh, uh, David Tate said this. It hurts. (laughs) And then he said, I don't think they realize how heavy they are. Um, And I'm sure it would. Now, the article ended by saying this. Once you got splashed, you would avoid it at all costs. And there's no doubt about that. Now, if we were to describe the situation in David's life, probably a number of different times, but I think Psalm 142, we we could probably picture it as him being splashed. You know what I mean? He's under pressure. The weight is on. The weight is on, and uh, and he is miserable, and he's in very very serious situation. Now with those guys, well, to them it was a game, but it wasn't a game if you were on the bottom of the the heap, you know. To you, your goal was just to get out, and I can imagine that's how David felt. And as David comes to God, he comes to God as one who couldn't do anything about it. He was stuck in the circumstances, stuck in the situation, and he needed God. To remove him. He needed God to get him out. And he was trusting God to do so. And the depths of his, his cry is, is kind of felt, I think, as we read through this psalm. 
I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I have walked, they have privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now, I think it's interesting he made that statement in verse 7, because what did he say about the righteous in verse 4? I didn't call him the righteous, but those were his friends, were they not? All right, what 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 did he find? In verse 7, though, he, he believed that they would come back and they would gather around again, that they would enjoy sweet fellowship. And because he was confident that God would do what's right, that God would deliver, that God would pull him out of that terrible situation and circumstance he found himself in. So, we are going to look at this evening the confidence that he enumerates or the conclusions that he makes in troubles. The confidence he enumerates or the conclusions he makes in trouble. So let's pray and ask God to help us as we look at these last few things. Father, uh, open our eyes, give us understanding and a greater appreciation for uh, the encouragement of this chapter uh, Lord God, help us to leave reminded that there's a God bigger than our problems. And no matter how great the pressure in life, no matter how difficult our circumstances, no matter how helpless things may seem, there's always hope with you. And that you are the great physician, that you are the mighty God, that there is no difficulty bigger than you can handle. And so, Lord God, may we just be encouraged as we look at these, uh, these last thoughts from this psalm, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a masculine, right? And a masculine means it's going to give us instruction. So, instruction about prayer, instruction about how God works, instruction about the mighty power of God, I think would maybe be what we would be talking about as we look at the confidence that the writer enumerates in this chapter. Well, what do we find? What does he share with us? We're going to pick up in verse 5, because we made mention of, real quickly, the second phrase, or thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. And I put in my notes, one of the things he shared confidence about was that God was his portion. And I know we mentioned it, but I want to say it again, because it not only gives comfort, but it expresses great confidence. He knew what God would be, that God would be to him what others could not. He knew that God would do what he promised. Now, what had God promised him? What had God promised David? At least before, after this difficulty. Now, we don't know if he was looking back and he's king then, all right, but what did God promise him? A kingdom. God promised David that he would ultimately come through this. Now, by the way, we don't always have that promise. Sometimes. God takes people through that valley of the shadow of death. We shared that last week. But what he could 
enumerate and what he could share with us is, look, he was confident that God would be his inheritance. Uh, That's what he's saying when he says that you're my portion in the land of the living. If I have no one else, God, I have you. You are my portion. You are what I'm looking for. In fact, you are the one that would satisfy me. That's all I want. I know, God, that you will take care of me. You're who I need, and you're who I want. And that's the kind of confidence you and I need. By the way, that's the kind of focus you and I need. God's my portion. God's my inheritance. God's my provision in, in, the, in the land of the living. You know, if I'm going to make it, it's going to be God. If I'm going to have a kingdom, it's going to be God, David could say. If I'm going to make it through this, it's got to be God. If I'm going to survive the pylon that's happening, it's got to be God. If I'm going to get through this, God is my portion. He's my inheritance. I'm looking to him. I'm trusting in him. And he's the one I'm counting on because God will take care of it. He's promised that he will, all things will work together for good. That is a claim I can make as a believer today. I don't know what God's end is for my life, but I do know that God will take care of it because God is, I, we can share my portion. He's my inheritance. I can rely upon the basic promises of Scripture. Now, I can't claim a kingdom. I can't claim I'm going to survive through this because I don't know exactly what God's plan is. Unlike David, who knew he would be a king, unlike David, who had that promise from Samuel with the anointing, this is going to happen. So obviously, he can't die, right? Can't. It can't happen that way. We don't have that promise, but we do have many promises in Scripture we can claim to. There are, if you would, a believer's inheritance. Um, be anxious for nothing. Isn't that one of the believer's inheritance? I don't have to be controlled by my circumstances. The, the Lord is my portion. God's got things for me that I can call upon him for, and I can count on him to give in difficulty. I may not have the exact promises. It would be nice, wouldn't it, to know that I can't die in this because I'm going to have a kingdom someday. I understand that. But the promises of God are, are precious nonetheless for New Testament believers as well. And God is our inheritance. If we're going to see those things come to pass, if all things are going to work together for good, it's because God's working and we can trust him to do that and we can look to him. So that was his confidence. Um, God's promises in darkness are, are wonderful. Uh, he, he, all things work together for good. He, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, uh, you know, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds. These are, these are just a few of many. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So the power of Christ. A lot of things that we can look to. Notice as well, he shares uh, my plea. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Now, he was holy and completely feeble. Now, you ever been there? The end of your rope? Physically? Mentally? I, you know, sometimes the mental battles are harder than the physical battles. Especially when you're not sleeping. And um, you you keep waking up, and every time you wake up, you think about your problem. Okay, you've never been there? You say, yeah, just about every day. Um, And here's that's that's where he found himself, at the end of his rope, physically and mentally. He was feeble. 
And I, I think it must have been, if he was looking back, kind of a difficult moment to be reminded that he was totally unable to do anything about the situation. But here's the point of verse 6, that God was strong, that God was able. So God not only has given me promises, and there, I have an inheritance, God is my portion, but, but God should be my plea. God, um, look, you're bigger than this. I'm not. I'm weak. I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They're stronger than I am. But the point is that God was stronger than them. Otherwise, why would you go to him? And I think we mentioned a little bit about that last week, but um, we just continually need to remind ourselves that greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Uh, we need to be reminded that um, the great God of heaven and earth is still on the throne. And if God could change the directions of kings and kingdoms, if God could take Nebuchadnezzar and make him, make him a... Uh, uh, not just a basket case, but take away his reason and his sanity and then give it back like that, um, then is there really anything that, that's too hard for the Lord? And that is uh, the reminder as he makes his plea, God, your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And I'm looking to you. I know you can do something about this. Um, Annie Hawks was 37 when she experienced the day in her life when she was filled with a sense of the nearness of the Lord she loved. In fact, she was so moved by the experience she had that day uh, and so filled with a sense of, of nearness to him, she wondered how she could ever live without, without God. And so she sat down that very day and she wrote her thoughts in a poem, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. She continued to write. And she passed those words on to her pastor. Her pastor happened to be Robert Lowry. You might find his name in a number of hymn books because he's written a number of songs. He added the refrain. He put it to music. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. The song touched many lives. It became a favorite song. And Annie said this years later about the song. Um, her husband died, and she faced some great heartache that came from it. And she said this. She wrote these words. I didn't understand at first why this hymn had touched the great throbbing heart of humanity. Um, it was a blessing to me because I had no nearness to the Lord, but I never really understood why it touched people's lives. Um, but it was uh, when the shadow fell over my way, the shadow of a great loss, when I lost my husband, that I understood something of the comforting power in the words which I was allowed to give to others in, 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 in a time that was not difficult but very sweet. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Um, we need God. He is, just never forget, he's bigger than your problem. And if there's anyone who understood that, it had to be David. I, we read about how many things he went through. And this was just one of many. 
obviously a desperate time, but a great God. Something else, uh, I just put for the third thing, my persecutors. He was being chased, verse 6 says, um, and uh, those coming after were stronger than he was. And his statement expresses um, his confidence that men are not bigger than God. And I know we kind of shared this just a moment ago. His situation, I think, the second point was, is not greater than God. But men are not greater than God. And you know, I gotta be. I have to remind myself of that every election. Don't you? Seems like, or most elections, <laughs> most election years. Uh, I have to be reminded of that when I see some of the decisions being made and some of the things being said on the on the political scene in our day. Um, when I see people being persecuted for doing something like refusing to make a cake for a homosexual wife. Um, you know, I just have to be reminded that um, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Situations aren't greater than God. People aren't greater than God. And it's encouraging to me to know that that even godless people have no power but that which God gives them. And so I can trust him even when I face persecutions. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And I can't help but believe that unless there is a revival in this country, uh, as believers, we're going to face more persecution in the days coming. Maybe very well even in, in my lifetime. Um, and I don't relish that thought. Does anyone here? No, I, I would much rather see a revival, and I believe that's possible because God's greater than men. But if it goes the other way, I, I still don't have to worry. Encouraging? Absolutely. So he shares about his persecutors, that God is bigger than them. Uh, notice in verse 7, my prison. Bring my soul out of prison. You know, he, God could take him out of that. You don't have to be in a cell to be in prison, by the way. You can be in prison by your circumstances. You can feel all alone, even though you have someone right there by your side. Maybe even someone you can share things with, but they still don't. They 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 still can't meet your need. Uh, I, I've heard testimony a couple different times. George Evans was one. I've heard a few different men who have suffered for Jesus Christ in imprisonment. George Evans was in Russia, and um, because he was a preacher of the gospel, was thrown in prison. Uh, before the wall was broken down. By the way, communism isn't dead. We say that all the time, but you need to know that. It's not dead. Um, there is a greater threat in um, uh, the Muslim uh, faith. But uh, anyway, that's, uh, um, that's another story for another time. But the truth of the matter is he was in prison, but you know he said there were many times where he slept real well even though he had been tortured? Even though... Um, he had been cruelly treated. He wrote a couple different times to his wife, I slept real well last night. And that was an amazing thing because 
um, they would put him, they, they wrapped his body. I think we saw that in, in the printing, um, one of those things. They would wrap their bodies in, in, in rags that were wet with cold, wet water. And it was agonizing pain it would create uh, as you're wrapped tightly in this and left that way for sometimes days at a time. And yet he would write about how God gave him peace in the midst of that and how gave, God gave him rest and, um, and how he, was, he felt free, even though he wasn't. Um, I'm thankful I've never known anything like that. But it's encouraging to be reminded that when I feel in prison, no matter what, what way it is, there's a God in heaven who has the ability uh, to make me free and to keep me that way. And I'm not talking about get me out of the prison cell or take me out of the trouble, but to give me freedom and release within it. If the Lord shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And he was in prison, but he was confident that Jesus Christ was the answer. And then my praise, verse 7. Um, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. He promised this. That look, God, you deliver, and here's what you'll get. And I'll give you praise. I will give you honor. I will lift up your name. And uh, he said, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. He's confident of that very fact. And he knew he would end up ultimately praising and blessing the God of heaven. Because God is good. And uh, even when I'm in the midst of a cave, God is good. And even when the circumstance looks bleak and, and no one thinks I'll ever get out of this, so much so that people abandon me, God is still good and God is still able. And may we never forget that fact. And live confident that there's a God in heaven. Psalm 142 is wonderfully encouraging. And I hope it's brought some encouragement to your heart even tonight. Thank you, Father, for the great hope we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your ability. Thank you for the great confidence of the writer of this psalm that, that you are greater than every difficulty, and may we learn to trust you like he did. In Jesus' name, amen.